Israel Hamas War Hamas and Israel Open to Extension of Truce. Yara Bayami Julian E. Barnes Rebecca Carballo Hiba Yazbek Catherine Rossman. Here's what we know. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel said that an extension, allowing for more hostages to be released, is an option. But, he said, the ultimate goal of the war will be to destroy Hamas. Hamas said it would seek to extend a temporary ceasefire with Israel after the current four-day pause is over, a move that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel suggested he would consider if it led to more hostages being released. Under the deal, the ceasefire began on Friday and is slated to continue into Monday. It is the longest break in fighting in the Gaza Strip since October 7, when gunmen from Hamas and other militant groups launched a deadly attack on southern Israel, killing about 1,200 people and taking about 240 others hostage, according to Israeli officials. Israel has said that it is prepared to grant another day's pause for every 10 hostages Hamas releases beyond the 50 outlined in the agreement. Hamas, which controls Gaza, had not previously responded to the offer publicly. So far, Hamas has released 39 Israeli hostages under the deal and Israeli has freed 117 Palestinian prisoners. Another 19 hostages in Gaza, 17 Thais, 1 Filipino and 1 Russian-Israeli dual citizen, have been released since Friday through separate negotiations. The statement by Hamas about a longer ceasefire came hours after the Israeli Prime Minister's office confirmed that Hamas had released hostages on the third day of the agreement. Israel released imprisoned Palestinians, keeping its part of the deal for a third day. In a positive indication of Israel's continued openness to the idea of extending the truce, Mr. Netanyahu issued a video statement soon after the Hamas statement in which he noted that there was already an outline for the possibility of freeing an additional 10 hostages for each additional day of truce. Mr. Netanyahu said he spoke to President Biden on Sunday and that he reiterated that the goal, regardless of the length of the truce, was to destroy Hamas. That is a sharp reversal from Saturday, when there were fears the agreement could be in peril. Hamas on Saturday threatened to postpone the second trade of hostages for prisoners, claiming that Israel had reneged on parts of the agreement. But after an hours-long delay, the exchange went ahead. The U.S. Navy intervened to stop the hijacking of a commercial cargo ship by pirates in the Gulf of Aden near Somalia on Sunday, after which two ballistic missiles were fired from Yemen toward the Navy destroyer that responded to the incident, the U.S. military said. The ballistic missiles were fired from the part of Yemen controlled by Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, according to a statement released by U.S. Central Command, which oversees American military operations in the region. If the missiles were meant to hit the USS Mason, a Navy destroyer, they fell well short of the mark, they landed in the Gulf of Aden 10 nautical miles from the American ship. The USS Mason and other ships from the US-led counterpiracy task force that operates off the coast of Somalia responded after the crew of the commercial ship, the Central Park, called for help. The Central Park crew reported they were under attack from an unknown entity, US Central Command said. When the coalition vessels arrived at the Central Park, they demanded the release of the ship. Five armed people fled from the ship and attempted to flee in the small boat they had used to attack the cargo ship. The USS Mason pursued the attackers and forced them to surrender, the news release said. Fox News reported the rescue earlier. 
Later, at about 1.41 a.m. local time on Monday, more than 16 hours after the initial attack, two ballistic missiles were fired toward the USS Mason, which was concluding its response to the attack at the time. U.S. officials would not say who is responsible for the attack and if the five-person group was acting under the orders of a state or group. But officials said that they are investigating whether Iran was involved or if it was an attack unrelated to the regional tensions that have intensified since Hamas's October 7 attack on Israel, which prompted Israel to launch a war against the militant group in Gaza. Houthi rebels, who are backed by Iran in the war in Yemen, attacked several commercial vessels last week in the Red Sea, a body of water next to the Gulf of Aden, including the Central Park. The Houthis and other groups backed by Iran, including Hezbollah in Lebanon, have increased attacks on Israel since October 7. Officials said it is not clear if the attackers were the same group that attempted to take the ship earlier. While the Houthi rebels struck in the Red Sea, the Gulf of Aden where the Central Park was attacked is far from their area of operations. One U.S. official and one former Pentagon official said Iranian involvement in the operation is being investigated. Zodiac Maritime, the London-based company that manages the vessel, said that the ship and crew are now safe and unharmed but provided few further details. The ship's crew had issued a distress call on Sunday reporting they were under attack by pirates as they passed through the Gulf of Aden, about 54 nautical miles off the coast of Somalia, according to Zodiac Maritime. Zodiac Maritime is led by Al Ofer, an Israeli-born shipping magnate. The police in Burlington, Vermont, have arrested a suspect in the shooting of three students of Palestinian descent that the city's mayor said was being investigated as a possible hate crime. The suspect, identified by the police as Jason J. Eaton, 48, was expected to be arraigned Monday in connection with the shooting of the students, three men in their 20s who attend American universities. They were shot and wounded on Saturday by a white man with a handgun while they were walking near the University of Vermont, the police said. Two of the victims were wearing Palestinian kafiyas, a traditional headdress. The young men told family members they were speaking a hybrid of English and Arabic before the man shot at them four times without saying anything before the attack, according to a family spokeswoman. Two of the victims were in stable condition, the authorities said. The third sustained much more serious injuries. In a statement after the arrest, the police said authorities had conducted a search of Mr. Eaton's residence, adding that the shooting occurred in front of his apartment building. No other details were available, but earlier on Sunday, the chief of the Burlington police, John Murad, said that, in this charged moment, no one can look at this incident and not suspect that it may have been a hate-motivated crime. Mayor Moreau Weinberger of Burlington added in an earlier statement that the possibility that the shooting could have been motivated by hate was chilling and that the investigation was focusing on that. It was unclear early Monday whether Mr. Eaton had legal representation. The Burlington police said earlier Sunday that other than the fact that the students are of Palestinian descent and that two of them were wearing a kafia, they had no additional information to suggest the suspect's motive and Mr. Murat earlier had urged the public to avoid drawing conclusions. The Burlington police did not release the names of the victims but said that two of them are American citizens and the third is a legal resident. The families of the men identified them in a statement as Hisham Awartani, Kinan Abdalamid and Tassin Ahmed. 
The Ramallah Friends School, a private school in the West Bank, said, in a Facebook post, that all three men had been students there. They are now juniors in college. Mr. Awartani studies at Brown University, Mr. Abdalamid at Haverford College in Pennsylvania and Mr. Ahmed at Trinity College in Connecticut. The three were walking to the house of Mr. Awartani's grandmother for dinner, according to Marwan Awartani, a great-uncle and a former education minister of the Palestinian Authority. He said that the three took a picture together and sent it to Hisham's parents minutes before they left for dinner. Marwan Awartani added that the bullet that hit Hisham touched his spinal cord and that he lost feeling in the lower part of his body. He remained hospitalized on Sunday evening and was expected to survive his injuries, according to a statement from Christina H. Paxson, the president of Brown University. Mr. Ahmed was shot in the chest and Mr. Abdalamid had minor injuries, according to a statement from the families of the victims. The families urged authorities to investigate the shooting as a hate crime. Why would anyone shoot kids who were wearing Palestinian kafia? Marwan Awartani said in an interview. Nicholas P. Kirist, the U.S. attorney for the District of Vermont, said in a statement that his office would work with the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division to determine if the shooting constituted a federal crime. The Council on American-Islamic Relations said that its offices have seen a huge rise in reports of anti-Muslim or anti-Arab bias since October 7, the day that Hamas attacked Israel. The Anti-Defamation League said, in late October, that there also had been a considerable increase in reported cases of anti-Semitic harassment, vandalism and assault compared with the year before. This has to stop, Husam Zomlet, head of the Palestinian mission to the United Kingdom and a friend of the families, said in a phone call on Sunday, pointing to the six-year-old boy who was fatally stabbed last month in Illinois in what authorities said was an anti-Muslim attack. The federal government opened discrimination investigations this month at half a dozen universities following complaints about anti-Muslim and anti-Semitic harassment. The Biden administration opened the investigations as part of efforts to take aggressive action to address the alarming nationwide rise in reports of anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim, anti-Arab and other forms of discrimination. The White House said on Sunday that President Biden was briefed on the students and would continue to receive updates. On X, the platform previously known as Twitter, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont said, it was deeply upsetting that three young Palestinians were shot here in Burlington, Vermont hate has no place here, or anywhere. I look forward to a full investigation. Livia Albeck-Ripka contributed reporting. The father was glued to his television screen for days, anxiously watching the news to see if his 17-year-old son would be among those released from an Israeli prison as part of the deal struck between the Israeli government and Hamas last week. The deal offered a glimmer of hope to the father, Ziad Daoud, 53, who had not seen his son for nearly a year since he was arrested for throwing stones at Israeli soldiers during a raid in their neighborhood, he said. Israeli authorities say that his son was arrested in connection with his affiliation with Hamas, according to a list of prisoners published by the Israeli government. Then late Saturday afternoon, his son's name, Tarek Daoud, flashed across the screen among a list of prisoners expected to be released that day. 
Mr. Daud jumped in his car and raced from their hometown, Kalkilia, a city in a northwestern area of the Israeli-occupied West Bank, around two hours to Ramallah, where hundreds waited outside of Ofer prison for their release. Crowds have gathered each evening for days in Ramallah to welcome the Palestinian prisoners and detainees who have been released in exchange for hostages held by Hamas. Tariq Daoud was among the second group, which was announced on Saturday. An additional 39 Palestinians in custody were freed on Sunday, according to Israel's prison service. After their release, hundreds of people crowded around them, hoisting them in the air and carrying them toward a main square in Ramallah. A feeling of sheer relief washed over Mr. Daoud and his son stepped off the bus of prisoners early Sunday morning, he said. The two hugged and the younger Daoud went to kiss his father's feet in a sign of respect, but his father refused to let him. I told him, oh my son, my love, the father recalled in a phone interview. The two drove back to Calcilia, both still in disbelief. When they arrived at their house at dawn, dozens of relatives and friends rushed to greet the younger Daoud. Then, they said, they paraded him around the neighborhood in a 15-car motorcade, honking their horns and shouting to announce his triumphant return. I couldn't believe it, I felt like I was dreaming, the younger Daoud said in a phone interview Sunday evening. I still haven't slept, he added. I'm almost delirious. Hamas released another 14 Israeli hostages on Sunday during the four-day pause in fighting with Israel, according to the Israeli government. The move came after an initial release of 13 Israelis on Friday followed by 13 additional Israelis late on Saturday. Here's what we know about the Israeli citizens released on Sunday. Abigail's parents, Roy Don, 43, and Smattery Don, 38, were killed in Kfar Aza during the October 7 attack. Her two siblings, Michael, 9, and Amelia, 6, both survived. Abigail, who is a dual Israeli and U.S. citizen, turned four years old while in captivity. Her name has also been spelled Abigail in the U.S. media. President Biden has discussed Abigail in his public remarks and expressed particular gratitude for her release when he spoke to reporters on Sunday before leaving for Washington from Nantucket, Massachusetts, where he marked the Thanksgiving holiday. Abigail's uncle and aunt, Amit and Tally Don, have been taking care of her siblings since the attack. On the morning of October 7, as terrorists swarmed the kibbutz, Smattery Don was shot in front of her children, Tally Don said she was told by Michael and Amelia. Roy Don was outside the house, holding Abigail in his arms. As Michael and Amelia ran to their father, they watched him get shot and killed while holding their sister. They assumed she was also dead and raced back into their home. Covered in her father's blood, Abigail ran toward a neighbor, her aunt said. The man brought Abigail into his home to hide with his wife and children and then left the house to find a gun. Ten minutes later, when he got back, all were gone, Mizzy Don said. After 14 hours of hiding in a closet with their mother's body on the other side of a fabric partition, Michael and Amelia were rescued by an Israeli soldier and brought to their uncle, Mizzy Don said. They are not okay, she said of Michael and Amelia. They hear the wind blow, and they are shaking. Chin Goldstein Almig was kidnapped from Kibbutz Kfar Aza along with three of her children, Agam, Gal, and Tal. 
her husband, Nadav Goldstein Almig, 48, and their oldest daughter, Yam, 20, were killed in the October 7 terrorist attack. Nadav and Yam, who was a soldier in the Israeli army, were buried on October 23, Chen's birthday. They are okay, in good condition and they are smiling, Inbar Goldstein, the aunt of Agam, Gal and Tal, said in a statement released late Sunday. We will continue the struggle until the last of the hostages returns to us healthy and whole. Mr. Goldstein Almig, an executive at Caffert Industries, a plastics manufacturer founded in Kfar Aza, was an Ironman athlete and was injured several months before the attacks in a cycling accident so was using crutches at the time of the attacks. He grew up in Kfar Aza. Five members of the extended Almig family were killed 20 years earlier in October 2003 in a terror attack in the Israeli city of Haifa. At a recent rally in Tel Aviv of Kfar Aza survivors to press for the release of their hostages, David Goldstein, 73, Nadav's father, who was in Bulgaria with other older members of the kibbutz on October 7, said, what they took away from us won't come back. What can be returned must be returned. Hagar Brodach was kidnapped with her three children from their home in Kfar Aza while her husband and the children's father, Avichai Brodach, was out defending the community, he said. Mr. Brodach, 42, a farmer and nursing student who survived the attack, said in a recent interview that the family had moved to Kfar Aza about nine years ago. Ms. Brodach worked as a community manager and a business manager. Their daughter, Afri, loves British rock music and, Mr. Brodach said, had just received a guitar for her birthday days before she was kidnapped. Yuval loves barbecues and soccer and Minecraft on his Xbox, while Uriah, who often plays soccer with his brother, is a fan of the French soccer team Paris Saint-Germain. A week after the attack, Mr. Brodach began a solo vigil outside the military and government headquarters in Tel Aviv to raise public awareness of his plight and that of the other families of the missing. He said he felt at the time that the country was more focused on revenge against Hamas than on freeing the hostages. Mr. Brodach turned up for his protest with the family dog and a homemade sign that read, My family is in Gaza. He was soon joined by many supporters. I think it changed things, he said. Daphna and Ella were at home with their father, Noam Eliakim, his partner, Dikla Arava, and her son, Tomer, in Kibbutz Nahal Oz during the October 7 attack. In the early hours of the attack, photos surfaced on the Telegram messaging platform of the two girls sitting on mattresses in a location unfamiliar to their family. A video also emerged, Hamas had live-streamed its attackers questioning Mr. Eliakim, who was bleeding from the leg, and Ms. Arava, using Ms. Arava's Facebook page to do so. Daphna, Ella and Tomer sat with the couple as terrorists questioned them in the family's home. Mr. Eliakim, Ms. Arava and Tomer were killed in the attack, and Daphna and Ella were taken hostage. The girl's mother, Mayan Zin, said on Sunday, After a long period in which I lived in terrible uncertainty, my daughters are finally with me. These were 51 days in which I lived between despair and hope, between pain and optimism. The girls are returning to a new and complex situation, and now we have a period of recovery that will take time, their mother added. In an interview last month, Ms. Zinn called on the Israeli government to do everything, obviously, a prisoner exchange deal, an operation, a backflip in the air, to bring back her daughters. 
On Sunday she said, my heart will not be whole again until everyone returns home safely. Aviva Siegel, also known as Adrian Siegel, was taken from her home in Kfar Aza where she was sheltering with her husband, Keith Siegel, 64. Born in South Africa, she immigrated to Israel with her family as a child. A kindergarten teacher, Ms. Siegel and Mr. Siegel, a dual Israeli-U.S. citizen who works for a pharmaceutical company, have lived in Kfar Aza for about 40 years. Their children, who were outside the kibbutz, lost touch with them about 10 a.m. on October 7. According to the Israeli news media, a Hamas video surfaced on Telegram the next day showing the couple being driven into Gaza in their own car. Mr. Siegel is believed to still be in Gaza. Elma Avram was taken hostage from her home in Kibbutz Nahal Oz near the Gaza border. Her house is said to be filled with sculptures, paintings and ceramics that she created. Dr. Hagai Levine, a public health physician who heads the medical team for the Hostages and Missing Persons Families Forum, told reporters this month that Ms. Avram was in urgent need of several heart medications just to survive. Upon her release, Ms. Avram was flown by army helicopter directly from Gaza to the closest Israeli hospital, Soroka Medical Center in Beersheba, in serious condition, according to the Israeli military. Roni Krivoy, a Russian-Israeli, was kidnapped from the tribe of Nova Music Festival that was taking place near the Gaza border. Mr. Krivoy was working at the open-air rave as a member of the sound crew. A resident of Carmel, a town in northern Israel, he had been working in construction while trying to build a career in the world of music and sound. Mr. Krivoy is the first adult male hostage with Israeli citizenship to have been freed. The Russian government and Hamas said his release came about as a result of direct contacts between them and not as part of the broader prisoner exchange deal. More than 350 attendees and staff members at the rave were killed during the Hamas-led terrorist attacks on October 7 as gunmen surrounded the site and ambushed partygoers as they ran through fields, hid among bushes, sought refuge in roadside bomb shelters, or tried to flee by car. Gaia Gupta contributed reporting.